This message was presented at the Amen Missions 2017 Bible Conference, Shaken But Not Forsaken, in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. For more resources like this, visit us at www.amen-missions.co.za. Amen. Advent message to every nation. Uh, so let's pray and, and go right into these. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to study your word and to look at your principles of health. We ask, Father God, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon this place. Let me not be seen or heard. Instead, Father God, let us hear a word from the throne room of grace. As I pray in Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. amen. So we're going to start in the book of Daniel, the first chapter. Um, story you're very familiar with. Um, I'll be reading through a lot of this quickly. We've got a lot of slides to go through, so just follow along on the screen, preferably. The scripture says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, and that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge, and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and tongue of the Chaldeans. So the story starts with the conquest of Judah. The king of Judah is taken captive, and interestingly enough, the princes are taken captive. Now, the Babylonians had a, a methodology to what they were doing. They wanted to rule in a very sophisticated way. It's a reason that the Babylonian kingdom is, is, is described as a head of gold, because they were the, probably the most thinking of all of the empires that would come. Much of our, common, our, our modern economic system, much of even the religions of our modern day, are still strongly influenced by Babylon. What Nebuchadnezzar was good at is he would take the princes of a country, bring them to Babylon, and then he would make them Chaldean. He would feed them the food of Babylon, teach them the language of Babylon, give them the names, give them names uh, that were Babylonian. And in doing this, making them Babylonian, he could send them back home to their home country and they would rule their home country for Babylon. It was an ingenious strategy, and this chapter is showing you his intent to do this. So, of course, he wants the best, and you can see he asks for those that have no blemish, they're well-favored, they're wise, they're cunning in knowledge, they understand science. And so he picks all of these young men. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them for three years that at the end of thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the king of, of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. Daniel became Belteshazzar, Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. So you see the transition happening. First you feed them, you give them the name that is Babylonian, and you begin to turn them into Babylonians. But the Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. 
Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuch. So one of the principles here is they understood that you just cannot become Babylonian. Daniel understood that there are certain principles that cannot be compromised. And one of them was around diet. And he understood that if he ate wrong, he could defile himself based on the laws already given him uh, in, in, this, in the first five books of the Bible. So the prince of the eunuchs likes Daniel. Daniel um, tells him, listen, I can't, I can't do this. Uh, we won't eat this. And the prince of the eunuchs is afraid. He says, I fear my lord, the king, was appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your face worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat. A lot of people don't know what pulse means. Pulses actually means, would be closest to like lentils, a bean-based diet. And by extension, a whole food, plant-based diet is really what the Bible is saying. And water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat and as thou seest deal with thy servants. So he consented in this manner and proved them 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. So they did an experiment. We call this a, it's not a double blind experiment, but it's a, it's a double uh, armed experiment. One group ate the, the, the diet that God prescribes. The other group ate the diet of the Babylonians. And the group that ate the diet that God prescribed came out with many, many advantages. One, they look better. They seem uh, to look better. But not only that, the Bible says God gave them knowledge and skill and learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days, the king had said he should bring them in. Then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar communed with them, and among them was nobody found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that stood before the king. And look at what this Bible-based diet did for them. In all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. So the Bible says, listen, they looked better, they were smarter, they learned better, and, and, and they were better in spiritual sense because he compares them to magicians and astrologers. But then he says, and he lived a long life. Where does it say that? He continued all the way to the first year of King Cyrus, which is a whole nother empire. So I'm going to break this down and I'm going to build it back up. And I'm going to jump to show you where modern day Babylon really is. Modern day Babylon now really is in the wonderful free markets of the Western world. I am an American and by default, I'm a capitalist. Um, so I don't, not that I believe that you shouldn't be able to work hard and make money. That's what my country is built on. And one of the reasons I love the country I live in, because I believe in working hard and and, and getting where you're supposed to get in life. Uh, no handouts, don't give me anything. Let me work. As long as I have an opportunity to work, I'll be fine. But capitalism can also be corrupted. And you, I'm going to show you in this talk that from a health perspective, it has been hijacked. So this is uh, Wall Street. If you ever go to New York, and New York is an amazing 
city, a huge city, very sophisticated, but also very dark. And the money that exchanges hands in, in New York, and I have a whole other sermon on Revelation 18, really speaks to Babylon's, uh, modern day Babylon's ability to exchange things and to sell and to trade and how the whole world really goes after it. And one of the things that modern capitalism really does, it has mastered the art of selling you things you absolutely don't need. In fact, it has mastered the art of selling you things that will kill you. Because they understand a spiritual principle. I heard a, uh, Dr. James Cowell, one of, my, one of my mentors back home in the United States, a, a physician and a preacher uh, and a theologian. And Dr. Kyle spoke for a health and temperance day at our church once, and he said, um, he said, your body will conspire to kill you. And everybody's, ooh, what, yeah, what is that? And he explained it. You see, if you give yourself everything you want, if every taste you develop, you, you feed, your body will literally conspire to kill you. So if every night you have ice cream before you go to bed, if every time you pass a McDonald's, you stop and get, you know, a, a Big Mac, your, your body will literally conspire to kill you. So what are the foods of Babylon? Well, the processed foods. One of the major things that's happened to food um, that is different from what the way Africans especially um, um, used to eat. Um, hopefully you all still eat like this, but in the, in the West, when we look around the world, one of the continents we look at where food is still prepared properly is Africa, where the food comes straight from the ground, yams, potatoes, um, and their whole form are consumed. Um, where you go, you know, other parts of the world, there are people who have no idea. You know, I, I, when I was working in a health department in Pasadena, we took a bunch of school children to um, a, a, an urban farm. We, we, would, we started developing like urban gardening and stuff. And a kid saw a strawberry on, on the plant. And the kid said, that's where strawberries come from? And I said, what did you think? And the kid said, oh, I just thought it came from the box in the grocery store. Processed foods. As we distance ourselves from the soil, we become more and more unhealthy. The closer you live to the soil, the better you live. And one thing I'm learning here in South Africa, and I'm staying um, on a farm now, South Africa has the soil and the ability to use the soil. So processed foods are bad. The second thing that Babylon is good at pushing is meat, animal products. So meat, dairy, refined sugar specifically. So people say you're diabetic, don't eat sugar. And then they say, well, you can't eat fruits. Absolutely not true. Fruits are fructose, not glucose. They are a more complex form of sugar. So the, it's, the, it's the refined sugars that are really dangerous. But Babylon is also pushing alcohol and drugs. So you notice that when, the, when, the, when, the, when, the, when the, um, Daniel and three Hebrew boys are looking at what not to do, one of the things they give up is the alcohol, the wine of the king of Babylon. I don't know if you noticed Hollywood and the commercial. I don't know if you have commercials like we have in the States, but every third commercial, it seems like, is for beer, vodka, wine in the United States. It is constant barrage of advertising around alcohol. But not only that, every movie, every TV show, even the ones for children, people drink. Every character, oh my goodness, I need a drink, I need a drink. You don't actually need a drink. You need to figure out a way to solve your problems so that you don't have to keep drinking your, trying to drink your problems away. 
But not just that, there are other drugs. Marijuana is big now. I talked about that a little bit yesterday. Um, in, in America, crystal methamphetamines, also called speed. Cocaine is still big. We have a massive um, heroin and opiate drug addiction problem in the United States. If you've heard the current president, the previous president, they're talking about all of the overdoses and deaths in the United States around opiate drugs that came from an overprescribing of these drugs. I won't be able to get into this later, so I'll explain it now. An overprescribing of drugs like morphine, uh, Norco's, Vicodin's, which are hydrocodone in, 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 called in the United States. And they were all overprescribed because the pharmaceutical industry teamed up with one of the agencies that actually um, credentials the hospitals and said, listen, pain is, a, is the fifth vital sign. You've got to treat pain aggressively. If you don't, you can be sued. Your hospital can even be penalized. So everybody, all the doctors just started writing out these, these high-potency uh, painkillers like candy. And now we have this massive epidemic of addiction and death in the United States. And it's reached the teenagers now. The last report's talking about how many teenagers are dying from drug overdose related to this. And when they can't afford the doctor's prescription or they can't get the doctor to write the prescription, they turn to heroin. Major problem in the United States right now. Thousands of deaths um, have happened. Well, what does all of this equal up to? Well, it equals up to what we call an obesogenic society where everyone tends to be overweight. And what happens? I mean, you guys probably have KFC. Someone asked me yesterday, is KFC from America? That's what Kentucky is. It's one of our 50 states. The K is Kentucky. Kentucky Fried Chicken, Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's. We have Dairy Queen in the States. We have so many fast food chains, and the best ones don't even leave the country. The ones that are most popular, like In-N-Out Burger, Carl's Jr. in California, they don't have, I don't think they even leave the United States. You can't, sometimes they block traffic. You can't drive because if there's an In-N-Out burger on the corner, the line is gone down the street to get in and get a burger. Now, some of y'all don't go to America and go, first thing you get off the plane, go look for In-N-Out burger now. <laughs> don't do it. But my point is, this is what has happened. We have, we, it's so convenient, and I'm going to get into why the food is so dangerous in a, min, in a minute. But Mike, Michael Pollard, uh, Poland uh, writes a book, called The Omnivore's Dilemma, and he writes a book uh, in defense of food, and he has a few other books, and he calls these food products that are so processed, he says it's actually not food. What you're eating are food-like substances. Did you get that? It's not real food. Real food is an apple. It's a mango. It's a banana. It's a pineapple. It's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's papaya. That's real food. Rice, beans, potatoes, yams. A Twinkie is not real food. I hope you guys don't have Twinkies in South Africa. Oh, no. So let me explain a Twinkie to you. So the Twinkie is actually made in a factory. It is not from a plant-based background at all. It is a food-like substance. So you could take a Twinkie and put it on your shelf in your cupboard and come back three years later. That Twinkie would be just as soft and spongy as the day it came out of the factory. In fact, they've done experiments with McDonald's. And if you see this, if you can see that picture there, this is a Happy Meal from McDonald's. They call, they call them Happy Meals down here, right? The Happy Meal at McDonald's after 145 days sitting on a shelf. Looks exactly the same. So then you got to ask yourself a tough question. 
How is it that the McDonald's food, the Twinkies, all these foods don't spoil? Food is supposed to spoil. Right? That's a biblical principle if you go back to manna. If you didn't collect it right, the manna spoiled. Why does food spoil? Because there are micronutrients in the food that bacteria and fungus and other organisms will devour if you don't devour it. Because the food has nutrients. You see, when you, when you leave a happy meal on the counter for 145 days, even the bacteria and the fungus know it has no nutrients. So watch this. You're feeding your child food that even bacteria and fungus won't eat. It is food-like substances. And what you have to understand, now, I, I, don't, I won't have time to get into this fully. I won't have time to get into this fully, but what you have to understand is that this affects how you think. So if you want your child to be intelligent and learn, they need to eat whole food, real food. If they're eating junk food and fast food, your child has a learning disability that you have given your child. You have literally fed your child a learning disability. The science is overwhelming on this. A woman should nurse her child for at least six months exclusively on the breast, and then the child should eat whole food. If you don't follow that pattern, you give your child a distinct disadvantage in life. Start formula feeding your child and then giving them McDonald's, your child will be slower than other children. So some people say, well, those people, are, they're not as smart as these other people. What you need to look at is, what are those people eating? First. Second of all, if you don't eat the right food, it clogs up your mind in such a way, it damages your ability to connect to God. So when God prescribes food, it's very different than when man does. For example, he gives manna, the people cry for quail. Doesn't work out so good. In the garden, he gives them a whole food, a whole food plant-based diet. In the garden, even after sin, he goes from just nuts and seeds and grains. He adds vegetables. And for 2,000 years, God offers no other food source. And when you get to heaven, mercy. You ain't going to be running around chasing no chicken in heaven. Even the lion is going to lay down with a lamb. Even the lion is going to be a vegetarian. You get to glory. I, I, told, I told that to a guy once. And he said, well, I don't believe you. He said, I'm going to eat chicken in heaven. I said, how are you going to eat chicken? Nothing's going to die, number one. Number two, you can't kill nothing in heaven. He said, well, God will make a soulless chicken for me to eat. <laughs> I said, you need to stop lying on God. That's what you need to stop doing. God don't make nothing soulless. What are you talking about, man? So the king of Babylon says eat. Now let me show you how diabolical this plan is to give you these bad foods. There's a massive profit to be made. So there's all, everything on TV and you can see it, you know, you, you Coca-Cola, uh, all these things that are, 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 are teed up for us. And this one says Coca Diet Coke, no sugar. Do you know that the diet sodas actually make you eat more? Because your brain is waiting for sugar. Your, your brain only functions on one fuel source. That's simple glucose. That's why when you eat complex carbohydrates, slowly releases sugar, your brain gets a, sto a steady stream of fuel. When you eat a Snickers bar or a Twinkies, you get whoosh, rapid, I'll talk more about this in a minute, rapid uptick of, of sugar, and you get the sugar high, 
and then bam, the insulin comes in and shoop, you drop right back down. Not good for your brain, not good for you, but when your brain gets diet soda, people think, well, I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna drink diet soda. Your brain's waiting for the sugar, it never comes. So your brain says, eat more. And the studies are overwhelming that not only are the things like aspartame that is used to sweeten diet sugar, is a carcinogen. In fact, the guy who got it pushed through was working in the White House, I won't say which one, and he was working for a U.S. president and pushed through aspartame after that, that artificial sweetener was banned by the Food and Drug Administration in the United States because it would add too much carcinogenic potential, meaning it could cause cancer potentially. So the food and beverage industry spends approximately $2 billion per year marketing to children. $2 billion every year in the United States alone. The fast food industry spends more than $5 million every day marketing unhealthy foods to children. Nearly all, 98% of food advertisement viewed by children are for products that are high in fat, sugar, or sodium. Um, most, 79%, are low in fiber, which you need for good colon health so you don't get constipated, and overall reduce your lifelong risk of colon cancer if you eat high-fiber foods. Nearly 40% of children's diets come from added sugars and unhealthy fats. Only 20, this is all American kids, only 21% of youth aged 6 to 19 eat the recommended five or more servings of fruit and vegetables each day. You know, how hard is it to really eat five fruits and vegetables a day? Imagine only one out of every five American child actually does that. One study found that when children were exposed to television content with food advertising, they consumed 45% more food than children exposed to content with non-food advertising. Did you get that? If you advertise food to people, they eat more food. Seems like that makes common sense. But you got to think, some people say, well, it's just a commercial. It doesn't matter. You think they spend all that money to produce and make a commercial and put on TV and they didn't do the research to know if they put the commercial on TV, you're going to eat it? That's Babylon. That's very Babylonian. It's a, it's a return on investment, the ancient economic system of Babylon. So interestingly enough in the United States, black children see twice as many calories advertised in fast food commercials as white children. And everybody says, well, how is this possible? Because on average in America, black children watch more television. So when I do these talks and I go around to the different churches and I go to black churches, I say, if you want your child to do well, turn off your television. Do not allow your child to be brainwashed by the television, number one, and then don't turn around and feed them the food television tells them to eat. So from the book Eat to Live by Joel Furman, if you want an excellent book to read, Dr. Joel Furman, an MD out of New Jersey, someone I follow a lot, I, listen, I read a lot of his stuff, he says, the modern food and drug industry has converted a significant portion of the world's people to a new religion a massive cult of pleasure seekers who consume coffee, cigarettes, soft drinks, candy, chocolate, alcohol, processed foods, fast foods, and concentrated dairy fat, cheese, in a self-indulgent orgy of destructive behavior. When the inevitable results of such bad habits appear, pain, suffering, sickness, and disease, the addicted cult members drag themselves to the physicians and demand drugs to alleviate their pain, mask their symptoms, and cure their diseases. These revelers become so drunk on their addictive behavior and the accompanying addicting, addictive thinking that they can no longer tell the difference between health and health care. 
Some of us have joined the cult. And it is a very difficult cult to bring yourself out from under. Why did Daniel and the three Hebrew boys not eat the food? Well, because their ancestors, specifically King Solomon, told them not to. When you sit to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are what? Deceitful meat. This is prophetic that in the last times, we are going to be set in front of us food that will cause us to be deceived. Lower our spiritual uh, resilience and allow us to be deceived. In fact, Solomon also says in Ecclesiastes 10, 17, blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles and thy princes eat in due season for strength and not for what? Do you know you can eat for drunkenness? Tough stuff, but let's look at some of the, some of the proof of what, of, of what we're talking about. So the life expectancy in the G7 countries, these are the ones with the great economies of the world, along with the life expectancy predicted based on the standard of living and expenditures on health care. We, the United States, have the longest predicted lifespan, but the shortest actual lifespan. You see that? You go to Japan, they have a shorter expected li predicted lifespan. They actually live a lot longer. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But that's just to show average Americans that, well, we're not number one in everything. We are number one in dying early of all the developed countries, but <laughs> otherwise than that, we're not number one. So let's break it down. America is a very race-based country, as you know. All our statistics come out in race. So I showed this that statistic. That in fact, if you want to live a long life, and this is Los Angeles County, where I've lived for a long time, in LA, in Los Angeles, California, if you want to live a long life, and you need to be born a Asian woman. Because Asian women live 86.9 years on average in Los Angeles. That's the expected life expectancy. If you want a short life, be born a black man. 69.4. In fact, although whites in America do very well, they don't compare to Asians in America. Asians in America do better than white people in America. Why? Here's the thing. White people and black people in America eat the same food. Asian women, especially at, at the, the older Asian women, they eat a totally different diet. Far more plant-based, far more tofu, much less meat, no dairy. If you ever go to a Chinese restaurant, they don't, they don't eat dairy. Right? Most of the Asian countries don't eat a lot of dairy. So when you start to look at this, you start to realize there are patterns that happen, not based on what race you are, but based on culturally what you've learned to eat. Process of, small, of cell damage, and I could go through a lot of this, but you know that your cells get damaged when ultraviolet rays from the sun hit it. This is why skin cancer can be a problem in some. Um, uh, there's atmospheric pollution, there's stress. Stress, we talked about stress Friday night. A poor diet. So what happens, your cells get damaged because free radicals are produced. Um, antioxidants come in and protect it um, and protect the normal cell membrane. So here's what you have to know. So how is it that plants get all the ultraviolet rays that they get all day, every day, and they're not destroyed. Because God designed a system where the plant produces antioxidants that capture and remove the ultraviolet, the, the free radicals produced by the ultraviolet rays. So the plant has a built-in system to deal with the harmful ultraviolet rays of the sun. And what it is are antioxidants, which we'll talk about more about in a, in a, later. What does that mean? 
If you want to protect yourself from all of these things that produce free radicals, stress, you know, um, um, pollution, ultraviolet rays, if you eat a lot of plants and you get rid of the meat, as we're going to talk about later on out of your diet, the plant consumption will naturally protect you from the damage that will be caused your cells by all of the things that create free radicals. What does that mean? Literally, it will reduce your risk of cancer. Cancer is a disease of lifestyle. Only about 5% of cancers can be uh, attributed to genetics. 95% of all cancers are how we eat, whether or not we smoke, whether or not we drink alcohol. Alcohol is a strong carcinogen. Nobody likes to talk about it, but it is a true carcinogen, as, of course, is nicotine and cigarette smoke. So what happens? You get inflammation, causes all these diseases, autoimmune diseases like lupus, and foods can be quite inflammatory, arthritis, um, cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes. So what are some of the top, the top five inflammatory foods? Table sugar, processed refined white sugar, trans fats, which are often put in foods like donuts, white bread and pasta. Why? Because the white bread and pasta means that they stripped all the nutrients so that it would be white. Why do they want these foods to last so long on a shelf? Well, if I strip the nutrients from the food, the bacteria and the fungus won't eat it. It won't spoil. What does that mean for my bottom line if I'm running a business? I can sit that bag of rice on the shelf weeks longer. I can sit that loaf of bread on the shelf weeks longer. And what does that mean? I can have more time to sell it and less chance that it spoil before I got rid of it. So they strip the food of nutrients because they're not concerned with you being edified. They simply want to make a profit off of you. And when you understand that there's a conspiracy to destroy you by feeding you food that actually isn't good for you, telling you it's good for you, but it's not good for you. A lot of times that's enough to make you think differently about how you eat. So white bread and pasta, cheeseburger is one of the worst things you can eat. And of course, alcohol is a very inflammatory food. Ellen White says it like this, many even of those who profess to believe the special truths for this time are lamentably ignorant with regard to health and temperance. They need to be educated, line upon line, precept upon precept. The subject must be kept fresh before them. This matter must not be passed over as non-essential. For nearly every family needs to be stirred up on the question. Now watch this. She says the conscience must be aroused to the duty of practicing the principles of true reform. God requires that his people shall be temperate in all things. Unless they practice true temperance, they will not, they cannot be susceptible to the sanctifying influence of the truth. Hard stuff, I know. So let's talk about sugar first. The United States, we watched sugar consumption in the 1820s go from way down here to way up here. I won't even tell you the units except to tell you it doubled, tripled, quadrupled the amount of sugar. The average breakfast cereal we eat, when I was in Australia, they eat like these bricks of wheat, wheat mix things. Actually quite delicious. Very low in sugar. The United States banned wheat mix. So when I go to Australia, I fill up a suitcase full of this stuff and take it back home. It's made by the Adventist company in, um, in Australia. Yeah, you guys have it. I'll take some back with me. But um, <laughs> you can't get it in the United States because the United States wants to sell you frosted flakes and, 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 and honey nut Cheerios and um, sugar uh, snap, crackle, and pop and all these sugar-filled cereals for children. 
and then add milk to it. And we're going to get to milk in a minute. So this is what I was showing you earlier. If you take a child, and when I grew up, a poor child, this is what a lot of my friends' parents did to them. They'd give you a simple carbohydrate for breakfast, like a donut with, you know, orange juice or something. So it's just a sugar rush. Up rushes the sugar. Whoop. Insulin then has to rush up after it. And then the insulin drops down super fast once all the sugar has been pushed into the cells. So what happens to a child? You send your child to school and you give them sweets. They go through the first few classes, the first few hours of school, they're wired up. They have a lot of energy because they have all the sugar. By the third and fourth period of the school day, the sugar levels have dropped. And what happens to their energy? And people say, well, these kids have attention deficit disorder. They've got ADHD. They've got all these other diseases. They don't have, a, they don't have anything they got as a bad diet. You're feeding the kids sugar, which is edible crap, basically. So you feeding the kids stuff that will destroy the kid. Oh, you guys got that joke. That's good. I'm glad you got that. <laughs> right? You can't just feed. So, again, you want your child. Let me tell you something. If for no other reason to change this thing, especially for parents, you've got to want your children to want have an advantage. You can't feed your child garbage and expect something else to come out of your child. So if you give your kid complex carbohydrates and plant proteins like tofu in the morning, you have a steady release of sugar throughout the whole day. So your child's mind doesn't go up and down, up and down. You can concentrate better. So you got to look at what is happening to the average child in the Western world. What is happening is you're feeding them a diet high in sugar and sitting them in front of a television where the screen changes every 13 seconds. And then you sit them in front of a teacher. Well, the poor teacher has no chance. Well, what is he or she going to do? They can't change every two seconds. They're going to stand and look the same all day. Then you say, well, your child's got, your child's got a learning disability. Your child's got attention. To... No, you've trained your child to not be able to sit still. By feeding them food that fluctuates their energy source and sitting them in front of a provocative, highly stimulating source like a television. And then you give them a tablet or a phone to play with. Pastor, I need to pray for my child. He won't sit still. He doesn't pay attention to school. Don't, you don't need prayer. You need to remove some stuff from in front of your child and spend time with your child in a book. And you'd be amazed if you just read to your child how much better your child would do in school. It's the reality of the science of this issue. So what are the harmful effects of sugar? There are many. It suppresses the immune system on the top of the list. Every time you eat a donut, a Twinkie, you guys have Twinkie? Oh, yeah, you have Twinkie. You have Snicker bars? Man, y'all get, y'all let America sell y'all every bad thing. Snicker bars, Milky Way bars, Mars bars, all that sugar. Every time you eat it, your immune system drops. You ever notice a diabetic gets a lot of infections? You know why? Because their sugar levels are always high, which means their immune system is always low. So if you feed yourself a diet high in simple sugars, every time your sugar rush goes up, your immune system drops. In fact, your white blood cells, which are key to your immune system, are paralyzed for up to four to six hours. And what does that mean when your immune system is suppressed? You get more coughs, more colds. You can get pneumonia more easily, skin infections. But also what happens is you're more susceptible to cancer because it's your immune system that finds mutated cells and destroys them before they can mutate and, and, and metastasize and develop and spread all over your body. 
Sugar will help you get cancer. You want to know why so many people in the West have cancer? People are like, oh, there's a cancer epidemic, all of this stuff. It's sugar. And oil is another primary reason why. Because what oil does, and I might as well hit it because I don't know if it's in here, what oil and fat does, especially animal oil and animal fat, it blocks the receptor for insulin to plug into your cell so that sugar goes into your muscle cell or into your fat cell or wherever the sugar needs to go to be energy. Oil blocks that receptor so the sugar doesn't go into your cell, it stays in your bloodstream. And when the sugar stays in your bloodstream and you prick, we prick your finger and test your blood sugar, what's your blood sugar going to be? Hi, that is the definition and the etiology or how diabetes actually happens. It is not simply eating a lot of sugar. It's eating sugar in the, in the context of a lot of fat. So sugar by, all by itself is bad. But you guess what sugar is really used for in Western food? It is a delivery system to make you eat fat. Because guess what they make a donut out of? Butter, oil, they fry it in oil. So you get the sugary sweet and you get the fat. And I'm going to talk about fat, sugar, and salt a little bit later on. But the combination of the three is deadly. All right, so of course it causes to weight gain, fatty liver disease, headaches, including migraines. I have a lot of patients that have a lot of migraines and I ask you, what do you eat? They eat sugar all day long. I say, stop eating the sugar, the migraines go away. Um, it contributes to hyperactivity in children, anxiety, depression, concentration difficulties, causes premature aging, wrinkles, gray hair, tooth decay, increases the bad cholesterol, contributes to diabetes, Increases your risk of breast, colon, and prostate cancer. Sugar. Simple sugar. So its co-conspirator in all of this is, of course, meat. And unfortunately, in church now, people don't want to hear this anymore. But fortunately for me, I live on, a, I live on an entirely different continent. So I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm going to tell you the truth, and you can do with the truth what you want to do with the truth. So meat. First of all, you're not supposed to eat the blood of the meat. So we're going to come back around to that. Or the fat of the meat or the animal. So if you're eating the blood and the fat, you are going against biblical principle, Old and New Testament. But let's talk about meat. So in America, now I don't know what it's like in South Africa. But in America, they don't figure out how to trick nature. So in, the 19, in 1950, 68 days later, a baby chick would look like this. To, in, today, 47 days later... That same chick looks like this. What did we do to get the chick so big so fast? Hormones. So the quality of the chicken is different. Now, never mind the fact that the chicken really wasn't good for you. God never intended you for the, to you to eat chicken from the beginning. For the first 2,000 years of the world's existence, chicken was not to be eaten. Noah wasn't roasting no chicken on the ark. They got permission after the ark to eat the chicken, right? But on the ark, he couldn't eat it. And before that, he couldn't eat it. So the chicken was bad before. What do you think happens when you eat an animal pumped up with hormones? And if you don't kill the animal right, it releases a cow, a deer, whatever animal it is, it releases stress hormones into its bloodstream as it fights for life as it dies. When you eat the blood and you eat the animal, you get all of those stress hormones. So remember the other night I talked about stress? You can eat stress into yourself by eating meat. Never mind the fact that if in America, and again, I don't know what it's like down here, but in America, if they see a meat, a beef, and it has cancer, you know what they do? 
They cut the cancer out of the cow and send the cow on to, to, to slaughter so that you eat the cow. No one knows if, you know, what happens when you eat cancerous meat cells. In the documentary, What the Health, a documentary, you need to write down What the Health, go on Netflix and watch it. What the Health will blow your mind. That's how Neo and all of these singers and, and everybody, all these celebrities in the States are turning into vegans. They watch the documentary, What the Health. What the Health, they show you that when the pigs have big abscesses and big pus pockets, they cut it, drain the pus, and send the thing straight through. You don't, let me tell you something. What's amazing is how much trust we put in in industries that aren't looking to make you healthy. They're looking to make money. And of course, I have to put this up because it was a time when Seventh-day Adventists didn't eat pork. You said we don't. I've seen where they order pepperoni pizza. And they're like, wait a minute, you mean pepperoni is pork? Yes, a pepperoni comes from a pig. Where did you think a pepperoni comes from? Ain't no chicken producing pepperoni, man. Where do you think pepperoni come from? The Bible says, and the people stood all, all that day and all that night and all that next day, and they gathered the quails. This is talking the story I was talking about. He that gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was choosed, the wrath of the Lord was, killed against the, was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place Kigbroth Hatava, because there they buried the people that lusted. God wanted them to eat manna, angels' food, David calls it. And man was like in such a rebellion against God, they required meat. Don't be in rebellion against God on this issue. Deuteronomy 12, 23, but be sure you do not eat the blood. Because the blood is the life and you must not eat the life with the meat. How many of you make sure that the meat you eat, there was no blood in it before you eat it? One of the best reasons to be a vegetarian. You don't have to worry about the blood of the meat. Because the Bible forbids its eating. In fact, even the fat. Speak unto the children of Israel saying, you shall eat no manner of fat of ox or sheep or of goat. Why? Because God understood if you eat the fat of the animal, it would block your insulin receptors and cause you problems. God gives us all this instruction, not because he's trying to punish you. God knows when you bite into Kentucky Fried Chicken, it tastes good. But guess what? Sin itself tastes good. If we, dry, if we live based on what feels good, we are a hot mess. I don't know if y'all use that phrase down here, but I'll introduce it. A hot mess. Now, so, meat consumption in the United States. Again, I'm not going to even get into it. You can just see, in America, we didn't used to eat so much meat. You know why? Meat was once expensive. But now that they mass produce meat, they have, I mean, I'm telling you, I've been to some of these chicken farms, and it'll be a, a thing just like this tent. Those chickens are so tightly packed together, they can't move. They can't even, they're so pumped up with hormones, they fall over because they're so fat, their little legs can't hold them up. They're pecking on each other, attacking each other for space, eating each other's dung. And then they clean it up, cut out the diseased parts, deep fry it, and everybody in the hood is walking around with a box of Kentucky fried chicken. It's slave food. That's what I tell black Americans. It's slave food. You have no business eating this food. God never intended you to eat this food. 
In fact, it's, it's, it's become an, an, an addictive thing. So if you go to Las Vegas, Nevada, if you go to Las Vegas, Nevada, what, are, what do they call it, Las Vegas? What, what, Sin City. She knew the name. Sin City. And one of the things they want you to do in Sin City is eat bad. If you ever go to Las Vegas, there's all these massive all-you-can-eat buffets with, with every kind of unclean food um, and all the alcohol you can drink and all that, right? One of the places is called a Heart Attack Grill. That's the name of the restaurant. And no, no, watch this. And there are people who have died of heart attacks in the restaurant eating the burgers. And, this is, no, and these are real burgers from the Heart Attack Grill. This one is the triple bypass burger, which is the procedure you do when you, you bypass heart, heart, heart vessels. And this is the quadruple bypass burger. Why? Now watch this. Why does eating the burger cause an immediate heart attack? Because when you eat that much meat, you get all of the cholesterol. One of the most dangerous things about meat, and you can't organically do away with the cholesterol in the meat, is cholesterol. So when the cholesterol goes in your body, it clogs up your arteries, turns your blood into sludge. And so if you were predisposed because of a bad diet and you had already narrowed arteries because of atherosclerosis, meaning the plaque buildup around the arteries, I'll show you some later, um, then all of a sudden this sludgy, thick blood is made by one of these burgers. It can't pass the blockage point and you have a massive heart attack and you can die very, very quickly. The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Satan knows this. So he has designed a modern diet to cripple the people of God and the world in the last days. So colon cancer incidents, again, more statistics, more proof. Female colon cancer incidents and daily meat consumption. I don't think South Africa's on any of these. On any of these. You're lucky because I'd love to see where you came up. But look, we're Nigeria's way down here. Japan's way down here. The good old U.S. of A. So the more uh, meat you consume going this way, the more colon cancer women have. New Zealand beats the United States. That's the only one. Canada, our partners up in North America, right up there with us. The more meat, uh, more, the more um, meat you eat, the higher the risk of colon cancer. I, this is not Adventist. Doc, this is, these, these slides don't come from any Adventist book. This comes from regular science books. Animal fat intake and breast cancer, right? The more animal fat you eat, boop, look at the United States. The more you have, I still, you know, I should have found some with South Africa on it. I don't see South Africa anywhere. But New Zealand, the United Kingdom, Canada, all of the countries that are similar, look, the United Kingdom, Canada, New Zealand, U.S., Australia, look how high up they are for animal fat intake and breast cancer. You see that? Here's one, animal fat grams per person per day um, and the percent of deaths from cancer after the age of 55 Notice that the more animal fat grams that a person eats each day, the higher um, is the percent of deaths from cancer after 55 years of age. The United States is way up here. Here's the UK. And you see all of these European nations. What are the nations way down here? Poor countries where they can't afford a lot of meat. Costa Rica, Mexico, Chile, um, even Israel, where they have, of course, kosher, where they separate the meat from the milk. Different. But way down at the bottom are countries that they can't afford a lot of meat. So the United States is in trouble there, too. And we're in trouble here as well. So here's one that shows you the percentages of death from heart disease and cancer. You see that? Percentage of death from heart disease and cancer is the white bars. 
percentage of calories from unrefined plant foods. In other words, this is whole food. This is what you're supposed to be eating, plant food. Laos, Thailand, and Korea eat high, Mexico eats high levels of it. Look how low their percentage of deaths are from heart disease and cancer. When you come to the good old U.S. of A., the percentage of, of calories we get from whole plant sources is this low. The death, look at that. Problematic. This is science. Now, the spirit of prophecy warned us. The Bible gave us all the cues we'd ever need. So maybe we'll listen to the science. because The science is overwhelming on these issues. So people say, well, I'm going to eat fish. Oh, Lord, have mercy, because y'all live near the ocean. Y'all probably like fish. Hey, tell, hey, tell your boy to get the truck ready. I might have to run out of here in a minute. So why is fish a bad idea? Because we have pollute one, we've polluted the ocean. So we have bioaccumulation of mercury. So just a little bit at the bottom, it bioaccumulates and it gets big as it gets up into animals and into humans. Mercury is a devastating substance to consume. So the fish that comes from the ocean in most parts of the world are tainted with mercury. And so people said, okay, they started farming fish. You ever heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. So we they take this room and turn it into a big giant fish tank. But of course they want to make money, so they overpopulate the tanks with fish and they have to dump antibiotics into the tank. So because the fish now get infections and you eat the fish, you get the antibiotics. Yeah. Same thing with the cow, same thing with the chicken. And guess what happens? Now we have all these resistant strains of bacteria that all our antibiotics don't work on. And they blame the doctors. They said the doctors prescribe too much antibiotics. Probably true. But outside of that, people are eating a lot of antibiotics in meat and fish. With increased mercury, increased risk of heart disease, all omega-3 can be derived elsewhere. So people say, well, I need omega-3s. That comes from the algae in the ocean, not from the fish. The fish eat the algae and get the omega-3. You can get omega-3 from chia seeds and from um, one of the other seeds, chia and flaxseed, right? So f uh, obviously fish is very polluted. Farm raised have, have antibiotics. So you really don't want to eat tons and tons and tons and tons of fish. In fact, you really don't want to eat fish at all if you can help it. If you can help it, you don't want to eat fish at all. The other problem with fish a lot of people don't understand is fish is also full of cholesterol. Some fish has as much cholesterol as pork. So people are like, well, I'm going to eat fish. It's leaner. No, fish can have, fish has cholesterol too. Cholesterol is produced by liver. Any animal in the world with a liver produces cholesterol. The reason plants don't have cholesterol in them is broccoli doesn't have a liver. Right? So if you eat stuff that comes from things with a liver, the meat or the milk of that, you're going to have cholesterol. And what does cholesterol do? Creates plaques in your body and your arteries and is the primary source of death in the developed world. Councils to the church. Among those who are waiting for the coming of the Lord, meat eating will eventually be done away. Flesh will cease to be part of their diet. We should ever keep this end in view and endeavor to work steadily toward it. The intellectual, the moral, and the physical powers are depreciated by the habitual use of flesh meats. Meat eating deranges the system, beclouds the intellect, and blunts the moral sensibilities. We say to you, dear brother and sister, your safest course is to do what? Let meat alone. Now, here's the problem. Some folk turn this into a salvific issue. So they become fanatical, and if you eat meat, you sin. That is not true, and that is not what I'm teaching. 
What I'm telling you is what E.E. E. Cleveland said, the great preacher from Oakwood University. He said, I don't eat meat because I want to be around as long as possible to preach this gospel. And because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, I need to take the best care of it possible. And any instruction God has given me regarding my body, I'm going to follow it. So you leave me alone. So let's get into dairy and then we'll pause and then we'll come back and, and do the rest of the talk. So dairy, I know it's, it's, a, it's a rough talk. Don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, I, it's tough stuff. But you know what? I'd rather know and have a choice than to be told it don't matter because ignorance is not bliss. I'm telling you, I see sick patients all the time. Ignorant, they smoke cigarettes and didn't think anything was wrong with smoking cigarettes until somebody's got to pull out one of their lungs. It's not bliss. So what's wrong with dairy? First of all is casein. Casein is one of the proteins in milk. And this, again, you, can't organ you, can, you can make your milk as organic as you want it to. It doesn't remove casein from the milk. So cow's milk is about 80% casein, 20% uh, whey. Human milk is like 60% casein, 40% whey. But human breast milk and cow's milk are not at all the same because they're species specific is milk. Only human beings continue to drink milk after they're weaned from their mother's breasts. You don't see no grown cow looking around looking for milk to drink. You don't see no big old lion walking around looking for milk to drink. Only human beings do that. Now, and there's a reason because the casein in milk is a growth promoter. The purpose of cow's milk is to turn a calf into what? And does it happen quickly? Y'all have a lot more cows around here than we have in Los Angeles. So it looks like you understand that cow's milk makes stuff grow fast. Here's the problem. When that casein protein hits a mutated cell in your body that is potentially cancerous, the protein from the cow's milk makes your cancer cell grow like a calf grows into a cow. You want to you reduce your risk of cancer? Stop drinking milk. Do not eat cheese. We know this because the countries and the parts of the world, based on the China study, which the documentary Forks Over Knives is based on, and this massive study of people in China, they found those villages and tribes where there was no meat, no dairy consumed, they basically had no cancer. It didn't exist. Why is Loma Linda a blue zone? Because Seventh-day Adventists followed this biblical plan. The whole world heard about our religion when that man wrote the book and we were on the cover of National Geographic magazine that people in Loma Linda, California, the most densely Adventist place in the world at the time, lived longer than everyone else. On average, 10 years longer than the average American. You know how much of a testimony that was? So Casey, number one. Number two, cholesterol. Number three, steroids. The people say, why are these young kids developing Bodies like they are so fast nowadays. You, you feed them promoters in the casein and hormones in the milk. Yeah, at 13, she looks like she's 25. Because you've given her exactly what it takes to rapidly develop her. The problem with that is you rapidly develop her, you also rapidly increase her chance of breast, uterine, and ovarian cancer later in life based on the rapid growth principles. The average girl in America begins to have her period at 12 years old. The average black girl in America, it's nine years old. The earlier you begin to have your period, the more risk you have of breast cancer because the woman's body is exposed to estrogen longer 
So every time a woman is pregnant, she's protected. The longer she breastfeeds, she's protected. It's to reduce your exposure to estrogen. But when you speed up puberty and you have what, a precocious puberty, really, the average age of, 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 of menarche or when women start having their periods, if you go back into the 1800s, the United States was 17. Now it's 12. And for black girls, it's even younger because stress and other things can, can cause that. If you're not feeding your children right, you're, you're really doing your children a major disservice. We'll spend all that money on toys and phones and tablets and computers and feed the child garbage. Fat, lactose intolerance, of course. So what else about dairy? Here's one. Increasing rates of childhood overweight and obesity. Increased animal protein intake. High dairy consumption is associated with earlier age than average menarche. Exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals. So EDCs, which... Um, disrupt the normal hormonal progression of a human are found in milk and it can cause major problems. I won't get into that except to say that dairy, and again, this goes back to Babylon. What in America, I don't know if you guys have these same commercials, but in America, no one advertises better than milk people. In fact, the few hours, about four hours of nutrition, if you watch the documentary Forks Over Knives, the four hours of nutrition training the average American physician gets is funded by the meat and dairy industry. That's why when you go to a doctor in America, they're like, Yo, you, you, you're anemic. You should eat more meat. You have, you, have, you have thin bones, drink more milk. When in fact, eating meat and drinking milk will not only make you more anemic, milk makes your bones more thin. How, they say? Milk is full of calcium. They told us we have to, to drink it. In America, there's a campaign, milk it does a body good. Got milk. I don't know if they have those commercials down here. Huge. All the celebrities drink milk and have a little white mustache in all the magazines. But when you drink milk, it acidifies, the protein acidifies your blood. Your blood becomes more acid-like. The pH goes down. In order for your body to neutralize the acid in your blood, it goes to your bones and get calcium to neutralize the acid in your blood. So I don't know if you guys call it Tums here, but when you have heartburn, acid reflux, we have a capsule called Tums and it has calcium in it. It's probably got a different name. What's the name? Okay, you guys know what it is. And so you take the tablet and it neutralizes your stomach acid. The way, again, the Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made and the devil has figured out how to hijack good systems. When I talk about addiction, the devil has figured out how to hijack the normal systems of the brain. He can hijack your bones, calcium, by making you acidify your blood with the consumption of meat and dairy. That's why Africa, the osteoporosis rates are super low among um, native African people. But if you go to places where they drink a lot of milk, the osteoporosis rates are super high. Milk does that. So, yes, most of the world is lactose intolerant. That's a good point. Only a few Northern European peoples, and I think one, one group of like Ashkenazic Jews, but the rest of the world, Asian, black, most whites, the rest of the world is lactose intolerant. If you just stop drinking milk long enough, you'll become lactose intolerant. You stop making the enzyme that breaks down lactose in milk. I want to give you this story, though. This was a prison that was started in, um, in California. I met the chapel for this prison. It was owned by Seventh-day Adventists. It was called Maranatha Prisons. Have you heard of it? It was in Victorville, California. And they had a system where they said, listen, when the inmates come in, they can choose two different routes um, to take. Either they can, 
take the route where um, they follow the normal Department of Corrections diet and plan, or they can take the route where they follow an Adventist lifestyle. No meat, no dairy, no processed foods, worship daily. The Sabbath was a time when they didn't have to work and they got to rest. The state of California said, these people are idiots. No inmate is going to choose to not eat meat. The majority of the prisoners chose the Adventist side of the prison. Now, the Adventists owned the whole prison, but they ran one side like the typical Department of Corrections. This was a modern day Daniel chapter one experiment. True story. You can Google this and read the story for yourself. When they went through that side, what they found is that the, the inmates who went through the Adventist side of the prison were healthier, they cost less money to take care of, had less medical problems. But what really shocked everyone was race-based gangs in the prisons disappeared on the Adventist side. Wow. If you ever watch any television program about the men prisons in California, but all over the United States, everybody be clusters up in race and they fight. Right? It's all about race. But when they followed a vegan, plant-based diet, everyone got along. They worshiped together, studied together, played in the yard together. There were no problems. And what was most critical, let me read this. Not only did a friendlier, non-divisive environment exist in the prison yard, but the inmates gradually became less aggressive in general. Most importantly, the percentage of former inmates who were later rearrested dropped to less than 2%. Watch this. Compare this to the state of California's average rate of 95%. And it becomes apparent that something good was really happening here. So normally in California, if you go to prison, 95% of the people in the prison, if they, you let them out, they're going to come right back. 95%. California incarcerates more people than probably all of South Africa. We have the largest women's prison in the world in California. I do prison ministry. I go in and speak at the women's prison two times, three times a year. It's horrible. But this program, when they followed the Adventist lifestyle and meat and dairy was taken out of their diet, less than 2% of them came back. Wow. So what do you think the state of California did? You think they said, okay, we're going to spread this to all the prisons in California? No. They shut it down. Oh the state of California said, wait a minute, this, this, yeah, this got to shut down. The reason they gave was that the, the Adventist prison didn't pay their phone bill. Oh. You can Google it. There's articles on this. The reality, I believe, was America has what we call a prison industrial syndrome uh, system. And this system makes money off of inmates. It is a loophole in the 13th Amendment which freed the slaves that says, if you're a prisoner, you can actually be treated as a slave again. So there's a need. There's a great documentary on Netflix called 13th. Watch it. It'll blow your mind. There's a need to keep the prisons full because of all the private prisons in the United States. There's a big, big money industry. When they found that there's a prison that could actually solve the problem, I think they said, hey, we got to shut this thing down. We can't let this get out. That an Adventist lifestyle can actually reverse criminality? Let me ask you something. What are we waiting for to follow this lifestyle? If it has that much power, guess what? Maybe our churches would get along better along racial lines if we were eating differently. Maybe there'd be less tribalism, less division in our churches if we all ate like Adam and Eve were taught to eat. Maybe we would be a different people. We wouldn't see color so much if we weren't so 
fed on the aggressiveness of what carnivores become. Something for you to think about. This message was presented at the Amen Missions 2017 Bible Conference, Shaken But Not Forsaken, in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Amen Missions, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, is a youth-led ministry seeking to inspire young people to be Bible-based, mission-focused, and Christ-centered Christians. Our aim is to assist in taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world in this generation. For more resources like this, or to find out how to support this work, visit us at www.amen-missions.co.za. Amen. Advent message to every nation. This recording was produced by the Preparation Ministry.